welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss the second episode in the fourth season, the final season of Barry. Bestest Place on Earth was written by Nikki Hirsch, directed by Bill Hader. He directs the entirety of this season, which I think is a brilliant idea because he is very talented behind the lens. Uh, He's also a great writer, of course, but I really like his directing. This was another great episode. I must say I even liked it more than the premiere because I had a lot to ruminate about in regards to our three or four, maybe even five driving factors, all the threads that connect these people. And all of the flaws, I'm really always more fascinated by the the themes and the parallels and how they influence the decisions that they make. The character work is always just much more fascinating to me sometimes than even the spectacle. So there was a lot of that to bring on top of the incredible spectacle that is Cristobal and Hank. I really hope after this series ends, we just get a fucking spinoff because that would be great. Before we jump into the recap, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, even YouTube, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. And if you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. Barry, once again in his cell, is banging his head into the wall. That is his, his state of being. After the beatdown that he has taken from, is it Lewis the guard? He again turns inward. I love the way they have played with these transitional scenes of young Barry. Seemingly always in a desolate place. Certainly someone who isolates himself. Which are characteristics that we weren't previously aware of because we haven't explored this particular backstory. So it's reinforming and reimagining, recontextualizing everything we've known that thus far. And now we get the, we get the layers behind what that tale is. And I love how they chose to bring that in season four when it's ending instead of, informing the audience before I don't know how planned out this was but it's definitely been utilized to in a (laughs) brilliant fashion but while he's playing with his toys as a young child we already see a tendency or him portraying a tendency for collateral damage one may argue when he says no not you I meant to hate you And he's called over by his dad to meet Fuchs 
for the first time and learn that Barry is his dad's youngest son. So are we going to meet any of his other brothers? Is that relevant to the story at all? Only, well, to me, it's relevant in the sense that he clearly has other people in which to play with. He's also remarked upon as being shy, which that's another word for introversion. (laughs) And... While it feels as if Fuchs was certainly selected by his dad to be groomed or even, and and just because this is very much a toxic masculinity trait, you know, oh, well, maybe if you hang out with my army buddy and do things that we did, you can influence him into more of the appropriately man activities or or integration that I desire my child to be not to say that there's never a point in which you just want to have a child you know be included on activities especially if you see them trying to isolate themselves but all this to say that there's a lot more to Barry's initial persona in itself that plays into his relationship that he builds with Fuchs. His dad seems impatient with his son's lack of extroversion, but Fuchs is less intimidating, a little bit more accepting on his own terms. And then Barry, looking at this memory, smiles a bit. It's a fond memory for him. Despite everything that has happened between him and Fuchs, And Fuchs, we see in this memory, isn't some douchebag or even comes off because we've made several, at least I have made several reference of the grooming factor. He doesn't come off as someone that is insidious. I'm not sure what his dad and Fuchs used to get up to because he addresses him as Mr. Monroe. He said, we played army together. My guess is they were in the Marines together. And he wants his son to also be motivated in that direction and he has summoned his old comrade to assist with that yes that means that Fuchs certainly had a huge influence on the direction Barry has taken later on in life particularly after he got out of the army Right. Because there's nothing to say when he was a young child, he probably saw him as as uh, he had alluded to. Like I, you grew up like a son to me. In a lot of ways. And then when he did get out of the military, he utilized him for his own particular purposes to point those skills he, he had as being a, a very efficient killer to their own benefit to get rich, which that also seems to be a theme. However, while I certainly we've felt. I think the audience in general has felt that Fuchs is always the the noose around Barry's neck, yoking him in said direction that causes him nothing but but uh, a feeling of panic and so on and so forth. Everything we've seen up to this point. This episode introduces the concept that Fuchs might possibly, because they've also bandied about that word, be a victim too. 
Now, I'm <laughs> not convinced of said argument. Of course, we've seen Fuchs in his more than readiness to betray Barry, even to the point of him possibly being murdered. However, it is when he feels as if he has been tossed aside and is of no use to Barry anymore. And while that's rational, it certainly has made it easier to paint him as the quote unquote bad guy between the two. Like you're the influencer, Barry is the influenced. But there's there's this little seed pointed here that Fuchs may not quite be absolutely the master of Barry's downfall, as it were. Hopefully I don't ramble too much because there's a lot going on here and I am just watched the episode. So it's a lot of thoughts that haven't necessarily been cohesively put together. Back in the FBI, FBI wall room, which I love, Fuchs tells Harris and the other guy, whose name I still don't know, that he's pulling out because he and his bestie have made up, to which they are unaware of, as they didn't break up their friendship and can't believe that he is passing on a new start for the opportunity to befriend Barry once again. He also got Gail Winograve, Winograde, as his attorney, and by the response that both men give him, apparently, I thought it was a woman, he is a pain in the ass. And I'm pretty sure they played on the name on purpose. Fix then interrupts Yellowstone. <laughs> I will never see the appeal of that show. But hey, I'm glad Kevin Costner is still getting work. I like him. To introduce himself as the Raven. I'm like, Lord, this Hank made up story is somehow going to get Fuchs pinned down for a shit ton of things. He's been set up to be the criminal mastermind here. And it plays even more so into what Barry could possibly have up his sleeve in order to get the outcome that he wants going back to his theme, fights everyone in the world except himself. Barry, as his associate, is hilarious because he just sits there and waves he alludes to the fact that he has high connections not russians but they think they're russians the chechens yeah the chechens and there could be a lucrative thing for anyone once we get out of here who wants to join our gang so that's how recruitment starts with jason who is now livewire because fuchs is channeling his Cisco Ramon and this one dude's like I'm trying to watch TV it's like okay then you'll be GrooveTube I don't want to be GrooveTube now your name's Jason Jason's like my name's Jason no you're fucking Livewire <laughs> ridiculous Barry gives props to Fuchs about his speech and yeah those names were totally great it's like I've been taking acting classes and I know a thing or two so I I the way in which they, you know, he's eagerly playing into him. It's the first time I've ever considered Barry as the manipulator. And Barry agrees to get the others in line. Fuchs once again apologizes that the wire, about the wire, 
and even goes into detail about what the FBI were offering him, something that is going to be a powerful motivator for someone who is looking for a lifeline away from Fuchs, no matter how much he still is in the palm of his hand or seemingly in the palm of his hand. Yeah, it's playing with my it's playing with my head. That's a sign of a good script. That just as he's putting it all out there, saved his life by informing the guard that he was an informant, uh, which could have really went bad for Fuchs. He puts that all on the line for Barry, that paternal connection to him. And while we've seen Fuchs consistently press that paternal connection as a way to get Barry to do what he wants, man, it really puts me thinking and wondering what they're going to do for the rest of the season. We then go to Bong. I'm a marijuana plant. I can get you fucked up. That's the guy from uh, Dharma Initiative. Also from The Expanse and a shit ton of other things. He's approached on the pier by Cristobal, who wants to use his shipping business in a new enterprise with him and Hank. Who else is involved? Uh, the Guatemalans that they happen to be at war with. He also brought up the last time they talked business. It was over volleyball. And he's like, look, I doubt you're going to get us to be able to sit down at a table with each other. He's like, uh, apparently, if it's the bestest place on Earth, I can. And then it pans to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> the enjoyment I had with this scene, there was no levels. Cristobal and Hank, in comparison to Fuchs and Barry, they are a power dynamic. They got their pitch down, down packed. As Cristobal admits the Chechens, they embarrassed us. They, uh, they killed us. They fucked us up. But Hank t- takes over and says, now we're fucking. Doing your mom. You know we straight with doing your mom. He admits that's a unicorn situation. But the point is they realize that what one weakness, one person had as a weakness, the other had as a strength. And by working together, they will. They were able to be stronger together without the need of killing each other. The one-shot rotation was made so much better by Hank running in frame to get to his cue. (laughs) And then Cristobal hitting the crescendo of the pitch of how much they can accomplish by working together for the betterment of all without bloodshed. Bloodshed, even though it may be difficult at first if they've killed one of your family members. (laughs) And he's so into this speech that he just kind of, kind of jumps when he sees the waitress. The fuck you doing here, nigga? Identify yourself. Who the fuck are you? Then kind of changes his tone just a little bit with, oh yeah, jalapeno poppers for the table, please. You know, he goes back into his polite. Then he goes back up to his, his master speech. I loved it. Then the mimicking of the hand gestures just chef's kiss bong gives the signal that that yes you can go off and play games together to cement the peace and it was that easy 
bonding over Dave and Buster's. They came back with toys, <laughs> stuffed animals. <laughs> Minnie, you all have fun. The idea that all of these gangsters are inner children is also a theme. Hank, however, is texting with someone called Toro, signature black hat, in a plan to break Barry out of jail, which they say they can if they have the manpower. Who is going to end up being Toro? I think that this is a little seed. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm very curious to know. Lon from Vanity Fair leaves his home to a note on his car with instructions to get to uh, Cantor Street or something for the story of a lifetime. Gene is always a flair for the dramatic. I just didn't know how dramatic he was going to go with it. Barry gets a surprise visitor and we were both shocked to see Sally whom he immediately apologizes to. And uh, uh, that kind of hit me in the nastiest way. Um, because we know that Barry knows that Sally stays for the apologies. And while the emotional scene was done very well by both actors, particularly Bill Hader, it was uncomfortable because I want to believe, and I do believe that Barry feels sincere in that moment, but the capacity or that capacity to say, oh, Sally, I didn't lie to you. Yes, she did. No, I didn't lie to you. Yes, she did. No, I didn't lie to you. I just didn't tell you the parts I didn't want to be true. It shows an absolute lack <laughs> of the capability for true remorse. It's not that it was wrong. I fucked up and got caught. It keeps coming back to that. Oh, and Muffin is buried and safe. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> is that why you came? Why are you still here? Why are you still here? He's like pushing. And the fact that Sally is susceptible to this, it, it's not making me feel any more of the far more empathetic feelings I was feeling for Barry. <laughs> Like I even I and I've reminded myself as I'm watching the show, but it's easy. Um, something Gene says earlier that felt really true to form. It's like when you're in front of someone who's so charismatic and you you feel it's easy to forget who they are because they're really good at getting you to forget who they are. <laughs> and then the sad part is. With silly with Sally, man, my speech is just so fucked up right now because I'm unlike Bong was hitting one. I'm so high, I can hear but to think that Sally felt so so fucked up and so unsafe where she was, where she should be, because that's down to her parents, that she would run back to the arms to a serial killer because he made her feel safe but it's did he make you feel safe or did he make you feel in control right which goes back to what gene said to her earlier like uh-uh <laughs> there's things you gotta acknowledge about yourself in this situation and i like how this show once again does not allow for 
those conversations to not happen and rawly be put out there. Uh, I think that's something Ozark could have certainly done better at. I know eventually I'm going to get over it. But it does point out the um, the quintessential factor of an abuser in itself, right? No matter how villainous that he is, it takes a split second. Like, I would never hurt you. You were always safe with me. He kept telling you, you're always safe with me. You're always safe with me. And you forget that it takes a split second for that monster to rear its head in your direction, i.e. the moment that she didn't give Gene a job where things could turn out very differently. And I don't think he would actually hurt Sally in the way in which one can be hurt. But I don't know, being a serial killer (laughs) in itself is not a good quality for a healthy relationship. And it makes me feel that he has no qualms about emotionally manipulating her to stay because at everyone's base core is a certain selfishness. Lon bus Gene taping his next clue to a parking meter. Shocked that he got here that fast. (laughs) What do you drive a rocket ship? He had like 10 envelopes of clues in his hand. And Lon is like, can we just go somewhere and talk like a normal person? But Gene gives him the last card where he tells him to meet him at his theater. Boy, if you don't get... After the fun, the prizes, they get the party room. The one waiter walked in. He's like, we got this room for another hour. Get the fuck out. It tells them that they are getting into sand for construction Bong got the ships, the Guatemalans, the muscle to make sure that the contractors only buy from them. They are going to take their shit legal. You'll soon be nine to five assholes. It will build our community. And more importantly, it's going to make us rich. Call a tailor because y'all going to need suits. <laughs> oh. I love them so much. And they had the matching mics. However, things go off the deep end when uh, Barry brings up the fact that he, or not Barry, Hank brings up the fact that he wants to do a prison break. (laughs) Christopher was like, "Uh, is this a yoke? Another flashback. Barry finding clarity in his relationship with Fuchs. Or more like, this is a, a good insight into Barry's brain. He went from reminiscing about Fuchs in their relationship and rekindling that relationship. And immediately he's given a lifeline anywhere else or gets what he may want ultimately in the end. Oh, young Barry says the person that fights bad guys is everyone but himself. That's when we get that line. As they are discussing his toys... Barry seems to isolate himself as a child. I think I already brought that up. He sees a wedding party. Was that season one guy, Ryan? I'm not sure. And follows it away from the past, but to a possible future with Sally growing old together. And you see the idea of Prosper in Barry's brain. He continues to push aside reality or even how he got or examining how he got to where he currently is 
or accepting that part of who he is to transitioning immediately into avoiding that and going after uh, another rather implausible but plausible future that he feels uh, will will make him happy. But we saw that he had a relationship with Sally and it did not make him happy. Um, but yeah, he has a tether away from dealing with everybody but himself. And he makes the choice to betray Fuchs. Never mind, he can't do it. Fuchs can't do it to family because he doesn't see Fuchs as family. Even though he said he does. We saw in season one, like you do anything, I'll fuck you guys up. But then the minute we saw when it came to that acting class, he's like, you're going to get right on that? Yes. And he didn't. He left him. And it's like all those little things. As I said, this is going to be a really nice rewatch after I figure out what their thesis statement is. In a weird way, it reminds me of Amos. Since Bong is from The Expanse, it got it in my brain. He's searching for his moral father figure, mentor figure. But now that he has another option, that becomes the, <laughs> the motivation. Sally meets with Lindsay, who tells her, look, girl, you are known worldwide as the entitled SeaWorld girl, who is now linked up with a known serial killer. I'm the victim. Uh, I think the fuck not, you trick ass bitch. Are you? Are you, though? Are you really? And that's where we have a problem. Because in some ways, yes, you didn't know he was a serial killer. However... Even Jean throws it in your face. You chose to be oblivious to some very, very light neon red flags. There's a lack of accountability even when things go horrid in society because it's not polite to victim shame. And while I understand that argument and you shouldn't, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. But that, that's a difference between victim shaming and having an examination of what happened for that to happen. How do we learn from said experience if we don't discuss how things led up to that point? Particularly what things could have been differently, what actions could have been taken differently. We do, unfortunately, <laughs> have a responsibility to not be so caught up in ourselves or I'm trying to find the right words for this because Sally clearly knew something was wrong with Barry. She did. She knew something was wrong with him. She didn't mind it. She certainly utilized Barry for her own particular needs and wants. Um, and when he, he, you know, it took another girl to tell you to break up with him. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot I wouldn't, I wouldn't label Sally as a victim. I would say that she was caught unaware at the extent of the man in which she called her lover. But she certainly didn't think that he was. You can't be in that mindset of thinking it's okay to be in love with someone that is just as obsessively into themselves as you are. I don't know. It's just in and itself, it's not healthy 
when you're unhealthy and you attract an unhealthy person, that's not being a victim. That's, <laughs> and you're still in his aura. Lindsay does tell her the only option she has is notoriety, a reality show or a podcast. She ain't going to have any integrity, but she'll be rich. Gene invites Lon to his one man show and it's clear Gene has embellished the story greatly with himself, of course, as a, not even a protagonist, but someone with far more agency than he was. He's inflating, but because he's inflating his own ego, it's a protagonist. And it could be for two reasons. The obvious answer is, and I believe both can be true, and that's the that's the rub, right? Love people love to pick one side or the other, but two things can exist at the exact same time simultaneously, and it's just fucked up. Just how it is. But I think he is a man that has always been a narcissist. You know, even when Barry was giving it was sobbing over him, he's like, I, you know, I charge for this. <laughs> well, I don't I felt bad felt bad for Gene because he seemed to love Janice. But now part of me is starting to re-examine that was his whole Janice, the widow. Well, I think I've always said that, though, that the whole I was in love, we were in love like that felt like an inauthentic story. Yeah, you were into each other. It was cute. It was fun. Certainly traumatizing to have your girlfriend be murdered. But I was a little, not little surprised. I guess I was reminded of that person we first met. You know, um, when he says he came to me like all my students, dumb and eager. He said that about all your students. You're buffooning yourself. And we are reminded about how Gene lost himself once he got a little bit of success. He says that Barry threatened suicide if Gene didn't bring him into his theater that is definitely going to hurt his credibility as the key witness in Janice's trial. There's no debate about that. Which also makes him as obnoxious and guilty as Sally because his girlfriend that he loved died. And while I said it was okay to tell one story after the trial, of course, by indulging in a farce, you inadvertently turn her loss as part of that facade. And that's not okay. Or how you treat someone you cared about so much. He may lose all he gained. As I was alluding to before, if he did find that personal growth in the absence of Janice's death, he certainly is casting that aside for his own predatory nature. It diminishes Barry's accountability too in the tale in which he is telling because it feels like he inadvertently became the Fuchs in the dynamic. So if I'm a defense attorney, I'm painting a pretty clear picture, right? Now, then it becomes a story about betrayal of ungratefulness that the, the, the insult of Janice's death somehow being fueled, fueled by this teacher mentor back and forth game instead of her being a great detective and catching a serial killer. Definitely disappointed in Gene. And I'm concerned that Jim Moss might kill all these motherfuckers. 
I don't think we heard about his skills for no reason. Things may get dark and I kind of hope they do. Because that is something they have purposely continued on throughout this show. And they really didn't have to. Like Izzy could have not been about Jan. Janice was one character we met a handful of times in the first season. And yet she has become a continued theme. It's like the one person... Uh, the one truly bad thing you cannot come back from. You killed a cop, which is something they also bring up to Barry. The minute he even asked for a deal, he's like, you killed a cop. You killed someone that was trying to bring you in. There's not a, the, the, the delusion that you think that there's a world outside of that. There's a certain forgiveness outside of that. And you're not even sorry that you did it. It's a little preposterous. But not only that, out of all these characters, Janice... It's probably the only one, the exception of Chris, because people kind of still argue about the fact that he should have got the other fucking car. Um, certainly was the white hat of this show, right? The one that certainly was on a pedestal above all else. Had nothing to do with anything, was just doing her job and got involved with these people and lost her life. And I do think that there's some type of justice they clearly want to give to this character if she's still part of the the narrative. We meet Winograde, not what I was expecting at all. And despite this not being an audition, he pretty much auditions, pointing out how he can shred every piece of evidence that the prosecution brings. I'm not sure if he's talking shit or not, but considering how much especially high-profile press trials are, very much this type of reality drama. It makes sense to have the comparison <laughs> that the attorney uh, for the defense in this case would be more of a showman that persuades juries to acquit criminals more than a, a uh, attorney that can actually truly combat the evidence. Because the things that he was like, oh, I'll say it's a deep fake. It's like, what? I don't know if it was intentional to make the correlation, but I love that it's there for me to put together. (laughs) It could also hint to an acquittal. I don't know if that will be the case, but there's a lot of things that tend towards that. The fact that Gene's sabotaging himself, this lawyer that clearly is playing into the already popularized characterization like this is becoming a movie in a sense um and i think that an acquittal would be another reinforcement that no matter how bad of a boy barry is he's continuing to be propped out by the people around him as a good person that's a lot of people keep saying he's just a good guy he's a good guy no he's not Happens in real life often enough. The fact that this lawyer doesn't even care about his client's guilt is another characteristic of some of these trial attorneys that specializing that specializes in landing juries. Bergman, while, while Fuchs is with the attorney, Bergman is with Harris and the other guy's name I still don't know. And that guy is concerned that Fuchs is still mad at him. I don't know why. 
<laughs> Barry offers up because they said, what do you have to offer? You killed a cop. We don't fucking want anything from you, but uh, we want something about those other crimes. But Barry's like, look, I work with the Chechens. I work with the Bolivians. I could offer you up the crime syndicate. And all I ask is that Sally gets to leave with me in witness protection. Never mind. All she left was a crumb for him to pick up to betray Fuchs, who is honestly trying to do the right thing. I didn't think it was possible. But I don't know. All these people are fucked up. Well, I guess I could certainly, I think this is where I was speaking of early. Fuchs may be guilty of the grooming, but he doesn't lack loyalty. Whereas Barry, <laughs> um, definitely has an emotional lack of loyalty to Fuchs. And while it while i'm thinking about the conversation that cristobal had with hank like hey this guy never really gave a shit about you it put in my mind how much does barry actually give a shit about fuchs who is actually worse in this relationship we've been looking at the very obvious eyesore and that may be delving into the person who's actually doing the killing because <laughs> while fuchs is pointing him in the direction of the person who needs to be murdered he's not pulling the fucking fucking trigger but I, I think I, I think I just um inherited an accent Fook. the agents are definitely into the deal but here's the thing he did kill a cop and her father was a part of the government and both are invested in this pair of morons that may easily be exploited <laughs> But I don't know. The end of him being in special housing feels as if, nah, he's talking. Then there's the line angle where he could totally print this whole Gene monologue that ruins everything. Or he could call him out on exactly what kind of a person he is. You know, because doesn't he have to fact check call other sources? At least call Janice's daddy for comment before they print? I don't know. It felt like he was eating it up. But everyone knows the type of person Gene is. So I feel like Gene is falling into his own trap. I survived a wild pack of dogs. I laughed so loud. (laughs) All the poodles. Instead of acknowledging how much fear and terror. Jeez. Barry enacted on him and his family Gene pretends to be the one in charge. Uh, This could also be a way to cover up. I think that was the second part I was going for that I didn't finish. His own sense of cowardice. Something that was brought up (laughs) in the face of everything that was happening. Like, yeah, I didn't stand up for my woman. He's just trying to make assert himself as the dominant. But the fact that the district attorney is black makes me feel like he he ready for Gene. He doesn't make Barry seem less mentally stable and Gene simply a man he is trying to please. And that is not a good combination to sell to a jury. Because if anything, it's starting to make it feel as if <laughs> I just did this for, for Gene. Sally watches the whole thing and confronts Gene about the fact that he didn't tell her 
that she was living with a serial killer and at first jean's like trying to be coy oh you know he threatened me i was okay fine fuck it he goes for the throat but not before calling himself and her victims (laughs) just blatantly untrue but he says look i we you know he put us on pedestals he was obsessed with us he thought we were superstars and as actors it was very hard to resist it's almost as if he is he is basically saying well it's not our fault that we fell for this or didn't acknowledge the fact that this guy wasn't right because in a lot of ways going back to it yeah barry said i killed someone and i got away with it and you were like holy shit (laughs) that's fucked up but hey i forgive you if that's gonna keep getting you to take my class and learn who you are and pay me a, a check if that's what you need me to be as your father figure i can play your father figure and that is the that's the rub right there which doesn't make you a victim <laughs> and he says it's over now and she says i came here because i don't I, like i don't know why i came here and he's like because it's home and when shit gets horrid and everything's back against the wall the best thing you could do is teach so what they're gonna open the studio together for business they both don't have integrity anymore so why not do the one thing everyone else is trying to get a piece of the thing is will they lose the one thing that they Uh, that they had to begin with by continuing i don't know maybe they will be successful (laughs) because while they certainly are not the greatest of people that would be an appropriate ending for them like they never get to be who they actually wanted to be but they do get to be the thing in which gets them part of what they always wanted Fix goes to get Barry for the meeting with the attorney and realizes that he's been betrayed. It's like, I'm Tomas. Where's the guy that was in here? He's moved to special housing, but I'm Tomas. It didn't dawn on me that Hank is over here. And this is when it hit me hard because you know I love my Hank. He over here causing bumps in his relationship with Cristobal that are absolutely in sync who tells him that look you embarrassed me today with the guys and from now on we got to clear shit before we just start bringing stuff up because he's like i thought you was into the sand i'm not really fucking into the sand but i'm gonna say i'm in the sand if it makes you happy but barry doesn't even know that hank exists (laughs) and here hank is causing this chaos in his relationship and in his future enterprises focus on someone who barely even gave you a thought that's when i realized wow barry is an asshole <laughs> i mean he's that kind of asshole he sold him out without even a thought not even i mean how many times has hank out of everybody else saved his ass christopher had to drop them facts like look boo boo i love you but it's shit like this why people think you soft uh hank was not pleased with that statement 
Barry doesn't care about you, which is facts. He never has. And then he replies, I feel like I understand him now, but before we can get the explanation of how that possibly is, he gets a call from Fuchs who tells him, when you're honest, you get fucked. Love will lead you to ruin. Hmm. Could that be uh, a premonition? Are these song titles? Because that's exactly what Hank thinks. <laughs> this uh, this knowledge is coming from. Fuchs really called Hank for emotional port. Talking about you know him. But Hank is gutted to hear that Barry betrayed him without consideration for Hank's continu- continued friendship. To both of these foods. Talking about I was on my way to, to get you out. Fuchs didn't even hear about that. He's too busy broken hearted over the betrayal. But upon hearing this right after Cristobal, the man you love, very clearly breaks it down to you. Finally, Hank understands and says we have to kill Barry. And it's left in silence because now Hank has to choose between everything he loves in his future versus Barry. It's like your past, your future. Which one are you going to go for? And everyone's going for their future reluctantly hank does the same but i feel like hank is just that he's that one he's the ride or die has always been just at meeting barry why is that and i want to know why that is especially when he has that flashback but i do think that hank is gonna have to be the one plus he's like he wouldn't expect it (laughs) he really wouldn't expect it from hank out of all people to take him down or maybe it might even be Cristobal. Like, you know what? My man can't take you down, but I fucking sure can. I really want to know if they are gearing up to show us that the, despite Barry's lumbering persona, he might be the biggest narcissist or actor of them all. Of course, I gave this episode a 10 out of 10. If you want to send feedback blackercouch at gmail.com maybe agree with my thoughts maybe disagree with my thoughts let's have a conversation and also leave comments below my social media will be there as well until the next time peace hair grease and blacker magic <laughs>